0: We're recommencing tonight our series in 1 Thessalonians and we're in the second part of the letter where Paul has the unenviable task of defending himself and his ministry from criticism. Now no one likes uh, to do that especially if you're a Christian but sometimes it's necessary for the sake of the work and the name of. Of Jesus Christ. And Paul uh, has been showing in chapter 2 how he really does care for these disciples, even though he had to leave the city quite soon after only three weeks of ministering to them because of persecution. So we've got to verse 17. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. So I'll just read from verse 17 to the end of the chapter. 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 17 to 20. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. And then he goes into chapter 3, dealing with the same issue which is explaining now in detail why he had to leave them so soon. You know, if you were converted under somebody's preaching, Paul and Silas had been for three weeks holding a mission, as it were, in Thessalonica. It struck me in the reading that it was on the Sabbath day, the Saturday, that they met in the synagogue with the Jews. So that was the evangelistic opportunity, wasn't it? Because on the following day, the first day of the week, Paul, when people were converted, would have met with the Christians then. And they didn't have a building, so they met in somebody's house. One of the converts' houses uh, was big enough for them to meet him. That was Jason's house. So, after three weeks, the people in the synagogue who were not saved... Quite prominent people in society, the Jewish rulers mainly, they were incensed at people responding to the gospel, so they stirred up trouble amongst the mob, and the people then, a crowd gathered together outside of Jason's house, thinking that Paul and Silas were going to be in there. But when they discovered that they weren't, they dragged Jason out and they set him before the Roman authorities who were in charge of Thessalonica and tried to bring up a trump up charge that these Christians were actually uh, being uh, disobedient to Caesar. Sounds familiar? That's what they did with Jesus Christ before Pilate. And uh, 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 Baal. Uh, is granted uh, and Paul and Silas in the middle of the night are uh, told to leave uh, so that no more trouble is caused. And so after three weeks imagine the person under whose preaching you were converted under has had to leave. And people were saying he doesn't really care about you. If he really loved you he would have stayed through the difficulties so what paul is trying to do here is explain why he had to leave that's why i read from Acts chapter 17 because paul just reminds us of that from thessalonica paul and silas went to berea and there the troublemakers heard that they were preaching the gospel and they followed them and caused more trouble so the same happens again paul and silas leave, but this time Silas and Timothy stay behind, and Paul goes on to Athens, and when he's in Athens, he's worried, sick, for the young believers at Thessalonica. He really does care for them, and so he sends Timothy back to see what is happening, and Paul goes on from Athens to Corinth, and he's still probably losing sleep. Uh, because he's so concerned about the young church at Thessalonica. And once Timothy returns to Corinth and tells Paul, it's all right, Paul, a burden has been lifted. And Paul writes this letter from Corinth, full of thankfulness, full of grateful praise to the Lord of the church for keeping his people. So what he's doing here is explaining his absence uh, it goes into chapter 3. He talks in chapter 3 about Timothy's visit to them and then about Timothy's reports, his glowing reports. And then chapter 3 ends with Paul praying and praising Jesus Christ for the church at Thessalonica. Is it, isn't that great? Now, we're just going to look tonight at verses 17 to 20, where, where we just have Paul saying, Look, those critics who are trying to paint me in a bad light by trying to portray me as somebody who doesn't care for you because I had to leave so early. Look, it's the opposite of that. I'm really, really missing you. Uh, he just opens up here. He's Mr. Great heart. Pilgrim's Progress. The pastor is signified by Mr. Great heart. He's got a big beating heart for the church. I love Paul, don't you? How this great intellect, great theologian, also had a big heart. So two things this evening in verses 17 to 20. The first is this, the importance of face-to-face fellowship. Listen to how Paul puts it. Verse 17. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you physically for a short time, In presence, in presence, there's been a separation physically many, many miles, and they didn't have the technology that we have today. And then look at the language that Paul uses here. It's uh, very uh, significant. He says, having been separated physically, we were all the more eager to see you in the face with great desire see how Paul emphasizes face-to-face meetings with his brothers and sisters Uh, the word he uses in verse 7 let me get it right it's a very strong word Where is it now? Verse 17. Having been taken away. Having been wrenched from you. Having been separated. As a couple are separated. That's the kind of word that is used. In the Greek, it means having been orphaned. Having been bereaved. That's how great the separation is. Those of you who have lost loved ones in these last uh, few years, you will feel, won't you, the separation. Well, Paul is saying, I'm feeling in that way to that depth the separation from my family it's not just a group of people that i've been separated with these are my spiritual family in this chapter he's already compared himself to a spiritual father a spiritual mother a spiritual baby he says i'm your brother uh, in uh, one uh, place and now he says i am orphaned oh brothers Isn't there something that we are missing out on here? That we tend to view the church as just a gathering of people. But as soon as you are saved and adopted into God's family, you are part of the body of Christ. And we are brothers and sisters together. And so just as it's not good when... uh, A son, uh, for example, is separated from the rest of his family. Think of a son uh, who uh, is uh, uh, rebellious and who goes away and who isolates himself from the rest of his family. That's a bad place to be in. And so, for Paul, being separated physically was not desirable. It really wasn't. Isn't it interesting how this morning, this evening, and Andy in his preaching we are being led to emphasize the importance of physical fellowship. Uh, The other word that Paul says here is, I'm eager, greatly desire. Do you know what the word is there? It's the word for covet. Now, usually the Bible uses covet in the negative sense. It says, thou shalt not covet. (laughs) We are not to long with intensity for things because we make gods out of them but here paul says covet positively the physical fellowship of the saints and he even uh, says i Uh, he's been using we at the start it's we but we brethren having been taken away from you for a short time in presence not in hearts, endeavored more eagerly to see you with great desire therefore we wanted to come to you and then he goes personal even i paul time and again and paul is saying i didn't just have a great desire now some of us may have an eagerness we say sometimes oh i long To be in church, don't we? Or those of us who have been seeking God for an outpouring of the Spirit. We will say, I am yearning for a revival. But the problem is, we often have the yearnings, but they don't materialise into action, do they? Our yearnings are sometimes just like the morning mist. But with Paul, he says, I am constantly yearning to be with you i am sick sick of love because i'm missing you and that longing materialized itself into attempting to see you uh not just once but time and again verse 18 therefore we wanted to come to you even i paul time and again but we were hindered we're not going to look at that tonight we'll look at that next sunday this is a man of god This is a man whose heart isn't just in love with a saviour, but with the people that the saviour has redeemed to himself. There's no point for us to say that we love Jesus. If we love Jesus, we love his people. We love his word. We love his ways. We love his day. Do we have an eagerness to meet together? Because we are family. Is our longing for Jesus to bless us such that we long to be with one another? Isn't it interesting? In times when we have all the technology, and I'm not belittling this now, I think it's most providential that lockdown happened when we had Zoom. Thank God for that. And I'm not saying we shouldn't use the technology, but isn't it interesting? With all the social media that we've got today, people are more isolated than ever. You, you hear, don't you, our people, they've got so many hundreds, even thousands of friends on Facebook. But do they have any friends in the real world? Isn't it sad? With all the emphasis on communication, we can lose that's vital face-to-face communication that's what the bible emphasizes here i liked one commentator's way of putting it convenience has removed the communion out of communication do you like that convenience and i'm thinking here now of using technology and i'm not against using it we must make every use possible uh, of these means but we have lost the communion, haven't we? Sometimes we don't know that much communion, even when we do meet physically. But this is why we are gathered together physically, face to face. Not so that we just see one another face to face, but that we see Jesus' face. Show me thy face, one transient gleam of loveliness divine, and I shall never think nor dream of other loves save thine. Communion. We're meeting together in order to commune with our Saviour, and when we commune with him, we commune with one another. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his son, Jesus Christ, and with one another. I wonder, that's really the root of the problem, isn't it? If our hearts was like the heart of the psalmist, uh, pining after communion with the living God, I think we would be more eager to meet with one another physically i've mentioned uh, psalm 42 do you do, do you know uh, that's the psalm that starts off uh, dr martin lloyd jones's book on spiritual depression well, when i was first converted i got depressed because i didn't have the courage to pray in a, a prayer meeting the students in the christian union were having a prayer meeting every monday night and i got myself into a state. Because I didn't feel, because I was so shy, that I could pray out loud in the prayer meeting. So I bought two books, some of my first Christian books. One was on prayer, John Bunyan, and one was on spiritual depression. (laughs) They were both related. And in that book on spiritual depression, it's Psalm 42 that Dr. Martin starts off with. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Do you know why David was depressed? He was depressed because he was in exile and he couldn't meet physically with God's people. Imagine being depressed because you couldn't come to church. When I was growing up and I wasn't saved at that time, I was depressed because I had to go to church. But David was depressed because he couldn't go to church. Listen to the way uh, David puts it in that psalm. Psalm 42, verses four and five. Those things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go with a multitude, leading the procession to the house of God with shouts of joy and thanksgiving among the... I uh, can't understand my handwriting. And then he says, why are you cast down? Oh, my soul. I don't know if some of you have been in hospital or maybe you're even tonight stuck at home and you're actually depressed because you can't be with us physically. Take Courage. You're in good company if David, the man after God's own heart, felt like that. I think it's a healthy sign. It's a really healthy sign, isn't it? There was um, a young man meeting with the pastor. They were sitting in his front room and the young man said to the pastor, Why do I have to come to church if I'm a believer? Why do I have to? The pastor didn't say a word Uh, There was a fire going And the pastor took the tongs And he took a piece of coal out of the fire And he put the piece of coal on its own And quite quickly That piece of coal cooled down The pastor didn't have to say anything Brothers and sisters We need one another We need each other's help. Jesus Christ doesn't call us to be isolated Christians. Now, I know he gives special grace sometimes to people in situations, for example, if they're missionaries in far-flung places, to be on their own for a long time. But Jesus' means for us to grow spiritually is that we're together. Paul says... I long to see you face to face. I feel bereft because I've been separated from you. The writer to the Hebrews puts it, let us consider one another to stimulate one another. Think of the pieces of coal in the fire. Or oh, may we... Warm one another to love and good deeds. How? Not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another while it is called today. And how bad a habit it is to neglect the assembling of ourselves together Oh, may we have good spiritual habits. May we want face to face fellowship with God's people because this is the means that Christ has given to build us up. May we, when we meet together, not cool one another down, but may we warm one another up. Don't you want this church to be a place that has spiritual warmth to it? We don't want an ice house, we want a greenhouse. May we not drag one another down spiritually, not just when we meet like this in a building. We mustn't think of the building. Paul, when he was writing to the Thessalonians, didn't think of a building. He thought of these redeemed people. When we meet one another, do we build one another up or do we drag one another down? But Paul says something encouraging here. It's possible to so emphasise the physical... That we can become too harsh and even legalistic about it look at the way paul deals with it paul really does believe in god being in absolute control god is sovereign everything is happening because god has allowed it paul didn't allow the sovereignty of god uh, for him to make excuses he didn't just say all right it's fine then. I'll get to Thessalonica when God wills. No, no. He made every effort to go there. But then notice what else Paul does. Paul didn't give in to depression because he was hindered from physically meeting them. Look at how Paul put it. Verse 17 again. But we brethren, having been taken away from you in presence, but not in hearts a better translation in presence but not in spirit praise god even when we can't see one another face to face it doesn't mean that we can't know fellowship can you see the balance in the apostle paul there are going to be times when you are going to be unable to come to the house of god and maybe like david you can feel your heart sinking you can feel yourself getting depressed but say to yourself, why are you cast down, O my soul, hope in God? And my friend, you can be in spirits with the Lord's people. There are people who are with us in spirit tonight, even if they're not with us in body. And there are some people who may be with us in body, but not in spirits. <sighs> you can have prayer fellowship with believers across the world. And we're not thinking of Zoom now, this Uh, is before Zoom, 2,000 years ago. They didn't have Zoom. They didn't have telephones. But Paul could still have spiritual fellowship. Isn't that wonderful? When I went uh, to one place, I was invited to join a prayer walk. Now, there's nothing wrong with going somewhere and praying for that place because you're being reminded of it. But you don't need to be in a place physically to pray for it. The Holy Spirit isn't locked in. The Holy Spirit isn't bound. You know, you can still have communion with Christ, and dare I say it, with his people, sometimes when you're not meeting physically. Physically. We don't use that as an excuse not to meet physically. But God is gracious, isn't he? How many of you can attest to that? Maybe being stuck at home. And you will say, as you have said to me, God hasn't left me. He's met with me. He can transform a hospital ward. Aren't hospital wards unpleasant places, especially this time of year? The Heath Hospital this time of year is so hot. But Jesus Christ, by his spirit, can make a ward into a Bethel, a little house of God. And Paul says, it's only for a time. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time, a short time, Paul, he's talking about years. And Paul says, don't worry, it's only a short time. (laughs) So if you're away from church because of COVID for a few weeks, that's a fraction of the time that Paul is talking about here. It's only a short time. By and by, says Paul, we'll meet again. We will. What did we sing? We share our mutual woes. Our mutual burden bears. And often for each other flows... The sympathising tear. When for a while we part, this thought will soothe our pain that we shall meet again. We shall still be joined in hearts and hope to meet again. Those that have died in the last two years will meet again. We'll meet again. Face to face. Face to face. So that's the first thing. Face to face fellowship. It's not about the building. It's not about the horizontal, just seeing one another, even though I'm sure we're glad. Aren't you glad to see one another after lockdown? It's it's liberating, isn't it? To be able to see one another in the face. But it's communion, isn't it? It's communion communion we want spiritual communion and then there's a future hope here a future hope and then we'll finish so unable for the present to enjoy face-to-face fellowship even though he can know spiritual communion with them paul isn't living in the past now many of us are in danger of living in the past Some Christians today are living in the 18th century. Others are living in the 19th century. Others are living in the middle of the 20th century. Listen, God has put us here today. We are to live now. Paul lived in the eternal now. And Paul also lived. In the future, we don't live in the past. We learn lessons from the past. We are encouraged from the past. But we live now to serve the present age. And we are looking to the future. And when things are difficult in the now, what do you do? You take a long view. You look to the future. It's not going to be long. Paul says a few years is not long in comparison to eternity. And Paul has a future sense in his Christian experience. Do you have a future sense? Are you willing to wait patiently in the here and now because you're looking at a future blessing? Uh, Listen to how he puts it. Uh, these words are the first mention of the parousia. That's the second coming, the appearing of Jesus Christ in his second coming. Verses 19 and 20. For what is our hope? Even though I can't see you face to face, I'm not giving in to depression. What is our hope? Our, our joy, our crown of rejoicing. He's looking to the future. Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ that is coming? For you are our glory and joy. What is Paul's future hope? Paul's future hope is in a face-to-face meeting. Not just with the Thessalonians, but with Jesus. Are you looking forward to the Jubilee? Were you around for the Silver Jubilee? How many of you, I wonder, were here for the Silver Jubilee? I was. And we were all looking forward to the Queen coming to Llandudno Junction. I can't remember if she came, but we all had our Union Jacks flags waving them. Members in our church, they're going to be in Buckingham Palace for the Platinum Jubilee celebrations this year. Will they get a face-to-face meeting with the Queen? I don't know there's a royal visit in the future and we're going to see the king (laughs) the king of kings face to face because we are his royal family and that's what keeps paul going now then i want to to think of it like this paul mentioned in verse 5 of chapter 1 how the word when he preached it in thessalonians ...to the Thessalonians... ...came not in word only... ...but in the Holy Spirit's power. Jesus visited by his spirits. Right? We call that revival. Now, what would you be like... ...even though it's difficult now... ...what would it be like... ...if you knew that there was going to be a revival... ...that you were going to experience before you died? Would it make you hopeful? It would make me hopeful... ...if I realised as a preacher of the gospel... ...that I was going to know a mighty awakening... Before the Lord took me to glory, I, I would get up every morning and uh, with great readiness look to that visitation. All right. There is something better than a spiritual visit in the future. Jesus Christ is going to visit us, and He's going to visit us physically. So even if we don't experience another spiritual visitation, he's going to do something better, my friend. He's going to come physically. Oh, when the saints come marching in, when they crown him Lord of all, I will be, will you, among that number among that number. Uh, John, uh, he was the uh, oldest apostle. Uh, He lived probably to his 80s, even 90s. He wrote these words towards the end. Beloved, now we are the children of God, adopted into his royal family, and it has not yet appeared what we will be. We know that when he appears, his second coming, we will be like him because we will see him face to face just as he is, and he says everyone who has this hope purifies himself, just as he is. Have you got this future hope? We're going to see him. He's coming. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to Face. Let me just read Warren Weasby. In times of trouble and testing, it is important that we take the long view of things. Paul lived in the future tense as well as in the present. His actions were governed by what God would do in the future. He knew that Jesus Christ would return and reward him for his faithful ministry. And on that day, the saints in Thessalonica would bring glory to God and joy to Paul's heart. As the song says, I don't know it, some of you will, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. It will be. It will be. Let me just close. Paul says, on that tremendous day, you are going to be my crown What an attitude for a pastor to have towards his people. He's... Yes, he's going to be taken up with Christ. More than anything else, it'll be Christ. The Lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. And yet, in that sense, he says, you, brothers and sisters, are going to be my crown. That day is going to be crowning day for us. I heard one Christian say, uh, I've got a crown. The dentist gave me a crown. Well, that crown will one day be in the grave. But you're going to have another crown. You're going to have a crown that's even better than a dentist's crown. If that was a golden crown, you're going to have a crown of righteousness. Don't ask me to explain. How can Jesus Christ reward me if I've been saved by grace? I can't explain that. But what I know is this... The rewards that he will give is really as a result of his grace. Paul said, I will glory in nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ. Why, Paul, are you glorying here in the Thessalonian converts? Why are you saying they are going to be your crown? Ah, says Paul, I went to Thessalonica and I preached the cross And as I preached the cross, the spirit of Christ worked in the hearts of these believers and they came to believe in him. And Christ was still working in them even through persecution. And so even though I'm only glorying in the cross, the fruit of my preaching of the cross is these believers and they are my crown. And it's not me that has the glory. It's the one who saved them, Jesus Christ. Crown him with many crowns, the lamb upon his throne. What a wonderful legacy to have. My predecessor, Vernon Hine, was mightily used of God. What's his legacy? Not this building. Not even a trust. Not even, I'm on dangerous ground here, brilliant hymns. But many of you. When you. Are still standing. Having been through thick and thin. And instead of becoming bitter. Becoming more like Jesus Christ. I say that's the best legacy of any ministry. Do you know. We we have to use social media to evangelize. I'm all for, right? I'm all for uh, having uh, leaflets. I'm all for having notices. I'm all for having the notices up on the screen. There is nothing wrong with any of that. But the best advertisement for this church is you and me as we're transformed into the image of Christ. That's a better advert than anything else. And incidentally, Paul didn't have social media. Paul didn't have uh, screens to put notices up. Paul didn't have leaflets. Paul didn't have anything but the lives of these people transformed by grace. You are going to be adverts to Jesus Christ as you live in the world. Well, it's time to come to a conclusion. Face-to-face, face to face that's how God has created us we're not just inanimate souls we're souls in bodies and so even though our souls have been saved by the death of Christ we still need to have physical fellowship even for our souls to be fed even if we can't meet physically he giveth more grace doesn't he He giveth more grace. His grace is sufficient. There is a spiritual fellowship. And whatever your circumstances may be, I don't know. I know some people, they are frightened of coming back to a physical meeting and I can understand. And I wouldn't want to force anybody, anybody back to a physical meeting. And if that's you, I want to say, God can give you grace where you are in the home to know spiritual communion as well. And whatever our situation, have we got the long view? Are we looking to that day? Yes, it'll be a wonderful jubilee in a month's time, but there's a better jubilee coming in the future. Apparently, somebody told me it's VE Day today. It's the anniversary of VE Day, victory in Europe. Well, it is victory day. Resurrection Day is victory day, isn't it? Thine be the glory. Risen, conquering, son. Endless is the victory. Endless. And we're going to praise him now for his work of grace. And the hymn is Love Divine. I've got it right. All love's excelling joy of heaven to earth come down, in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. And then what's ahead of us? Finish then thy new creation, Pure and spotless. The ACW conference is going to be the bride of Christ, the church presented pure and spotless. May we be, may we see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee, changed from glory into glory, till in heaven we take our place, till we cast whatever crowns we may be given. We cast them before thee, lost in wonder, love and praise. Let's stand and it's 604 if you're at home. to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our saviour who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever amen